Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I'm your host, Georgia Close. Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. Through speaking with industry experts, authors, and amazing individuals throughout the world who have a message to share, we're bringing you empowerment, inspiration, and strategies that you can use instantly to implement in your life. Our focus is on the whole person. And research shows that the happiest people in the world, the most filled countries in the world, are the ones that make time to nurture and build their relationships, their money, their self-worth, careers, love, life, and health. And when we feel great within us as a whole person, then and only then can we create positive change around us. So today... Whether you're listening and you're single, you're married, happily married, not happily married, partner, dating, whatever, you're searching for love, you'll be amazed at the insights that you're going to hear today from our guest, Karen Aberly. Karen's the author of number one bestseller on Amazon, Love's Invisible Dance, which is inspired by her own 30-year marriage, which was juicy three decades of researching and teaching about relationships and the philosophy of language, and an 18-year apprenticeship with Huchol Shamans of New Mexico. She's coached individuals and teams in Fortune 100 organizations, including Comcast, Spectrum Reach, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Some of the things you're going to hear today are the same skills that her and her husband have taught across the globe in workshops for individuals and couples seeking more love in their lives. So Karen's here to share her insights on the universal dance of relationship that we have been doing all of our lives. So it is our pleasure to have you on the show today, Karen. Um, Whether we all want to admit it or not, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite subjects. We either really love that we have it or we really want to figure out how to get that. And it's love. Love. Personal love, relationship love, and it's also going to transition into a little bit of how do you really love on your colleagues? How do you do this well in the professional world as well? So without any further ado, we are so honored to have you, Karen. And in a few words uh, for our audience, would you just introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Karen Aberly. I am a master in relationship coaching. I have... uh, been married three times and the first two were rather practice marriages Mm. and my uh, current marriage is to christian who is 20 uh no how old is he regardless uh (laughs) for 30 years wow i have two children two daughters and three grandchildren and i have spent most of the last 30 years coaching leaders and managers in major corporations. I have recently written a book about relationship, about love, how to love, how to love effectively, how to be a master Mm. lover. 
And what was the name of your book again? Can you tell us? Sure. Love's Invisible Dance. Love's Invisible Dance. And when did you write that? It was published in July of last year. Wow. First book? First book. Wow. And you have been in this business for how long though? What's that? How long have you been in this industry teaching about these things? Um, I would say in the last 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I first uh, began to study the philosophy of language Mm -hmm. after my second divorce. Mm. I married the first time when I was 19. Wow. And um, so I married again. Uh, My third marriage was when I was 40. I was studying the philosophy of language, and I met Christiane, who uh, also was studying the philosophy of language. Mm -hmm. Was that your, or better said, better asked, what was your aha moment that kind of made you go, okay, I've really got to dive into teaching and coaching on this. And then eventually, you know, 30 years later, writing a book. Yeah, that's a great question. So divorced twice, Mm -hmm. meeting my third husband, uh, being married for seven years, and then being on the brink of divorce again. That was pretty much the spark for my aha moment, which I discovered on a Mexican mountain Mm. in an indigenous traditional ritual called Vision Quest. Wow. My goodness. And so you dove right in from there and... Well, you know what? It wasn't working well with my husband, my third husband. Mm -hmm. Seven years we were in, and seven years seems to be a particularly uh, potent number. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't working, and I didn't know how to fix it. And sitting on this mountain, I discovered something that I was completely missing in my life, and that was how to honor the sacred interconnectedness that we are. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty potent. So I think I've heard this question asked by kids under 10. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's something we all are very curious about, uh, especially at a young age when you realize, oh, my mom and dad, what is love? you're married. Are are you in love? You know, what is love? And then you go through your teens and you start to like boys. You start to like girls. You start to be drawn to this other partner. And you think, is this love? Mm. And then maybe you get married. Maybe it's not love. You find it doesn't work out. You just can't, you keep butting heads and you question that again, what is love? And eventually you figure it out, but can you from all of your experience and your studying on this and your history with it, what is it? What is well, love is, and what is it not? <laughs> here's the thing. Love, one, is a feeling that you have, you know, and it's easy to fall in love, but most people find it really difficult to maintain that experience of love after the lust falling in love period falls away. Yeah. So then what is love? Love is the way in which we care for and take care of another. So when I act for your concerns, when I act to make your life better, 
I am expressing, I am living a way of being in love with you. I love you. And then you have the experience of being loved. So fundamentally, love is a way in which we act for the care and concern for the other. And it generates the feeling of being loved. We can love a lot of people. I love all my ex-husbands, actually. Mm. But it doesn't mean that we have to live with them forever. When then we start thinking about, well, what is it that we're creating in our life? And why should we be with another person? Do we want a partner? Love is a side conversation. It's like, I love you. Yeah, that's good. Now, what mm. can we build together? Where are we going? Why should we be together? Right. So it, it sounds more like you're saying it's a language. It's an, it's an action. Is that right? Yeah, totally. So I love that. I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going down the right path. I've been married two years. So, <laughs> Are you married? Yeah, two years married. Two years married and you're pregnant? Yep. Okay. You got so, it. <laughs> here's a question for you, my, my Georgia. Who taught you how to be in relationship? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. (laughs) (laughs) How do we, I mean, the thing you said was beautiful that this, that love is, it's a, it's a language. It's a, it's an act. It's a choosing to act a certain way toward a person selflessly. And that's a really, what I have learned in my two years is that that's a, difficult language to learn. It's one that sounds lovely and fluffy and yeah, 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 we could all do that. But it's the most difficult language I've ever attempted to learn. And I consider myself a loving person. Here's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) How does this work? (laughs) It works completely well. Um, So my background is studying the philosophy of language. Ah. Uh So we uh, create relationship in language. It's like, who are you to me? I get to say that. It's like we could have a biological, physiological blood connection, in which Mm -hmm. I would call you sister or daughter or whatever. That's one way to describe our relationship. But then who are we? Who are we for one another? We get to say that. We get to create that in language. So are you my friend? What does it mean to be a friend? We create that in language. So if love is a language, what is it not then? I don't know. We have the physical experiences. We translate into language. We say, oh, you know, my body is tight or my body is free mm-hmm. or I feel this in my chest or but we translate all of our feelings into language and so love is a, a way in which we create connection attraction in language so how do I call you to me how do I call me to you we do this in language. And in what I say in the uh, Love's Invisible Dance is that there are only six moves. 
six ways that we can articulate ourselves, six ways that we can express our intentions in language. And when okay. you know what those are, then you have a greater capacity to, to engage with another person and in my language, dance with another. Can you tell us what those six things are? Of course, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to know. You well, got to tell you, I, I, I did a book signing last night and my daughter and son-in-law were there. And so I was saying these kinds of things and someone said to me, well, what are the six things? And I said, I'd be happy to tell you. And my daughter said, mom, they need to read the book. No. <laughs> well, that's okay. true. So, especially for rising up, you can request, some, you can ask someone to do something for you, request. You can mm -hmm. offer to do something for someone else. Mm -hmm. And those two things don't happen unless you have the acceptance or the promise of the listener. Okay, I'm going to do that. I accept that. Request, offer, promise. Those are the only moves that produce action, and they're the only, produce, the only moves that produce money. Money doesn't show up if one of those things didn't happen, okay? So then there are three more moves that create the world. Create and reflect the world. Declaration. We take a stand for who we are in the world. I am a vegetarian, for example. So I say, that's who I am. And that is the context for the way in which I live. That's a declaration. Are you officially married by someone who has the authority to marry you? Me? Yeah. Georgia? Yes. yes. Okay. So someone declared, I pronounce you ah. husband and wife. Yes. And they said that, and you were. So that's the power of declaration. Mm, Kennedy said that. we we're going to go to the moon in the, in the decade. That's a declaration. So we get to declare. We get to state facts, which are assertions, and we get to express our opinions and values and judgments, and those are assessments. Mm. Declare, assert, assess. You can't do anything other than one of those six linguistic intentions. Wow. And you're doing them all the time, unconsciously. That's right. why the book is called Love's Invisible Dance. Right. Because you're right. doing it, you didn't know you were doing it. Right. And if no one ever taught you how to make an effective request or how to make an effective assessment, you're bumbling. In all of your experience and, and research, where... I mean, I, I think the common knowledge is, yeah, people learn this from whoever raised them. They learned it from their parents. What is this language of love? Is that right. true? Yeah, but it's a little problematic because right. some people, you know, do you know anyone who doesn't like to make requests because they don't like to impose themselves? They don't yes. want to push it. So that's something that you learn from your environment. And then there are other people who learn that you walk over people so everyone has a very different experience of how to relate to another person based on their experience with their family of origin and then it's a little problematic because when you know you bring yours and I bring mine right we don't quite go together we fight and right. that's another thing 
that you have to learn, and that is how to be in conflict. Oh, that's a scary topic. <laughs> oh, conflict is something that is inevitable to bringing two individuals together. We're going to be different. Yeah, yeah. tell us about that, because I know in the, with the rose-colored glasses on, people go, oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've actually heard couples say to me who have been married, you know, they, they're in their 70s, 80s, and they've been married 50, 60 years, some of them. And they go, we've never fought. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking going into my own marriage, oh, great, we're never going to fight. And we have, you know, done quite the opposite. We have, you know, battled. And because of those battles, we have found a, such a deeper foundation. So how, I mean, conflict is healthy, but how does that play into a relationship like how it's it seems like a scary word to so many people it has a twist it is because some people are so afraid of high emotion yes to avoid that they would prefer to feel protected and not go there um you know i asked this group that i was in you know talking to last night at the book signing who of you are afraid of conflict? And many people raise their hands. So they would prefer to keep it at bay than to get involved in somebody else's high emotion because they don't know how to deal with themselves. Emotion is also a domain of learning. You know, we are emotional beings. Right. The question is, how do we interpret our emotions and how do we use them? Very often we fall into fear and blame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not feeling good and it's your fault. Sure. Rather than be responsible for that, I'm a perturbable being and mm-hmm. I have to be able to see what it is that perturbs me, why and so forth. Wow. So even in, you know, not just married relationships, but, you know, single singles with good relationships, good friendships even? Sure. How, I mean, especially in in good friendships, it seems like conflict happens a lot less there in your friendship than it does in your romantic relationship. So how do you... Unless it's what? Less expectations. Less expectations. Yes, yes, exactly. You can walk away from that person. And when you're in a romantic relationship, the stakes are higher, it feels like. Yeah, and what does it mean, stakes, anyhow? I mean, the thing is that, you know, you put a big burden on this person that you're in love with, and you have to provide all of this support and, you know. Right, right. Emotionally, financially, you know, time-wise, you have to be everything to me. And our friends can come and go. Right, would you say conflict actually inside relationship, friendship, or married relationship, or even with a colleague, would you say it makes the relationship better? Of course, if you engage in it in a productive way, because your concerns and my concerns can come together in a way that we can both take care of ourselves, but we have to investigate we have to explore how could we do this how can i take care of you at the same time as taking care of me and it's possible oh. can you um give us an example of i mean obviously we, we don't want to go 
picking fights just to have fun and practice and get better. But how do you, could you practice it in this crazy world of there's time for this, there's no time for that, everyone's busy? How do you, how do well, you practice you're going to come against like conflict everywhere, anyhow. You know, it's like it's not going to come up and surprise you. It's, it's, it's available. And what it takes is a commitment to maintain our connectedness. Mm. Mm. I love that. So I have only three commitments that, it, that it are required for people to engage in enduring passionate relationship. You want to know what they are? Yes, please. Okay. First, this is mutual commitments. Both or all parties need to commit to you are a treasure to me. Mm. And when we fall in love, we know that, and then we forget it because then we can say things like, fuck you, or go to hell, or, you know, I hate you, or yeah, that we do. So you are a treasure to me is the first one. The second one is, a commitment to union in which we say to one another, your concerns are mine. Hmm. Whatever it is that concerns you, I want to support you in addressing. It doesn't mean I'm going to have the same concerns or want the same things, but I am committed that you get satisfied. And the third commitment is because we can't really live the first two very well. (laughs) is that I live in the question of how can I love you more? Wow. Wow. Those are, those are some really difficult things to do. I think, I think for the average person, they don't think about that right off the bat. No, I know it's because they're not competent. You see, love and relationship are domains of mastery. You can learn how to do these things. Mm Mm-hmm. But where do you learn? Right. Oh, that's a scary one. (laughs) It is and it isn't, you know, as long as you see that there are people who can teach you. True. Yeah. And you're one of those people. Yep. So in, I, 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 when I was reading your bio, I, it really caught my attention that you had mentioned you and your husband have been traveling the globe, teaching some of these philosophies and principles and, obviously written this book now. So what, where are you at today and, and who are you teaching today? Thank you for asking that. I am, so I introduced this book. I have a coaching practice and what I've been doing is working with individuals primarily who are interested in developing their competence in relationship and their competence to see themselves functioning in the world. So one of the programs that I offer is called The Art of Seeing. Um, What I provide is a way of seeing yourself and seeing your environment in a new way, in a broader perspective that enables you to start to do the kinds of things that clearly give you joy and have you feel like you're moving in a positive direction in life. Wow. So coaching, are you still, are you still working with companies? 
yes. big organizations and yeah, leadership? I am, but not as much as I am working with individuals. There's been a really major shift from my focus of uh, corporate work to individual work. Sure. I prefer to work with families, individuals, and and now groups, people who are interested in learning more about the domain of relationship and what does it mean to master relationship? Do you also have, um, I, I know probably the most, for the most part, you have people wanting to, like you said, master their relationship, their romantic relationships. Do you have people coming to you, you know, having trouble at work, for example, mm-hmm. saying, I, I love what I do. I have trouble with our leadership or I have trouble with my colleagues. Yeah. 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 And you guide them with, through these same, I mean, how do you guide them through those same principles? Because a lot of times colleagues don't have to agree to those other, those commitments you talked about. So how do you do that? One sided. The, the, the colleagues really need to commit to a level of partnership you know, how are we going to work together? What, who are we? Who are you to me? So even in a corporate environment, it's really important that our roles be identified. Who, who is the customer? Am I providing services to a customer? Are we partners in providing something to somebody else? But what is our relationship? And how do we continue to forge our relationship? A lot of that has to do with building trust, demonstrating our respect and honor for one another, being able to speak critical assessments when we need to, freedom of expression. Sure, sure. You have to have a shared commitment. So what are you committed to and what am I committed to and how will we approach this together? It's really a contextual conversation that is often missing. And how do you, how do you broach those conversations, colleague or lover, when you have something difficult, either one that just crosses your boundary and you're going, I cannot agree to this. I, this is just too much for me. I have to draw the line here. Um, How do you, or even when it comes to feedback, you know, if in a work situation, if you're working on a project together with a person and you really like the person, but you just really feel like you've got to stand your ground and, and you know, push back on a subject, how do you do that well? Well, yeah, before you do that well, you have to have these foundational conversations about how are we going to work together? Mm. You know, it's like, I'm going to make requests of you And I'm going to want you to do them, obviously. But if you can't, I want you to tell me that you can't and we'll negotiate. That's like a one principle for our relationship. The other thing is that when you have assessments about how we're working together that are negative or critical in nature, I need you to speak them to me so that we can come together in a way that works for both of us. Mm-hmm. But these are agreements that we need to make foundationally so that we can do them when they show up. So you're offering, in essence, to open yourself up for the same kind of criticism. Sure. To each other person. Yeah. I'm open to you. Being vulnerable with each other. I want you to be open to me. Yeah. You know, can we talk to one another and express our assessments? But you mm-hmm. see, 
that in order to do that, you really have to understand the nature of assessments. And that when I'm assessing you, I'm really speaking more to my standards and who I am than I am to speaking about you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Could you, for, for our listeners, could you give us three tips on how to do that well? Or three tips that you just find very, you know, very valuable, not, maybe not necessarily to do with conflict. Um, well, you know, my mom asked me, told me one time she was complaining about uh, one of her aides when she was quite elderly. She needed an aide with her most of the day. And her aide was often late. And she was complaining to me that she had told the aide that if she would take two buses instead of one, she would arrive on time. And the aide got mad. And I said, Mom, did you ask her if she was interested in your opinion about how it would work better? And she said, no, why would I do that? She could say no to me. Huh, that's brilliant. And this is one of the things that's really important in life is that you don't want to give your opinion unless somebody's open to it. There you go. There's a golden nugget. (laughs) You know, so before you offer your great wisdom to somebody else, and it's always done with great intention, you have to ask them if they're open and interested in your opinion, because your opinion isn't the truth. That's the nature of assessments. It's just another way to look at things. Right. And, you know, lots of times people don't want to look at things differently because then that means that they weren't right in the first place and then, you know, all of that. But when you ask someone, are you interested in looking at it at a different, from a different perspective? And they say yes, then they're more inclined to see why you say what you say. Wow. I am definitely going to take that nugget for myself. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the power section here. Okay. Power. We love to call it the power section. Can you share with us a book that has really made an impact on you that you would recommend to us? Well, you know, I wasn't prepared for your question, but when you asked it, one of the most important books that I can remember in my life is a book called Ishmael Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by Daniel Quinn. Mm -hmm. And it was written in the 1980s, I think. But I really think about my life before reading Ishmael and after. Hmm. Wow. Ishmael. By Daniel Quinn. Right. Okay. And what it does is explain why the world is as it is right now. Wow. That's That's a pretty big one. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. How about one quote that you live by? Hmm. Or a few. Yeah. Um. You know, in order for me to give you a good quote, I have to look at my book because they have them down so well. Um, but I think about Chief Seattle in the way that he said, you know, we are part of the weave of life. We are not one thread. Mm-hmm. And uh, our interconnectedness is everything. And... Um, Another quote that points to 
if we are interested in hearing nice things, we'll never get to the truth about life and we'll never get to real peace. So, you know, being kind and soft soaping really doesn't ever serve us. And I'm sure I did. It's C.S. Lewis who did a much better job of it than I. I love that statement because a lot of us fall into that category of just trying to keep it light, trying to please. You never really get to the meat. Mm-hmm. How about uh, if you if you were to leave the world with one message, what would that be? Practice love. Hmm. Wow. All right. How about I know you've we'll we'll put some of this in the show notes, but how do we stay connected to you? How do we support you? You connect with me via my website, karenaberly.com. Subscribe to my newsletter. Communicate with me directly. I answer everything myself. Oh, great. um, I'm here to serve. I love that. Well, we are definitely looking forward to getting people connected to you. You have such, I guess in the, in business terms, I would call it, you have a great uh, market share on that pillar of love (laughs) that we all really want to have, you know, we want to make that a healthy, a healthy pillar in our lives. So last but not least, um, so rise up for you. That's us. What is that? When I say those, those words rise up for you, What comes to mind? What does that mean for you? It comes, it presents an image of someone who recognizes their incredible gift and possibility and begins to stand for themselves and their world in in a way that engages others in standing too. Wow. Well, thank you so, so much for just giving us the tip of the iceberg here on your book and what you do and all of your experience. It really is. um, This is going to be great. I know all of our listeners really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow. Tomorrow.